I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yes, indeed. Thanks for the help you get from Nick Stoffel from Lloyd's Automotive in St. Paul. We'll keep it running uh, until you get to your favorite shop or your favorite dealer. Uh, Nick will give you some idea of what might be uh, ailing that vehicle of yours. Hi, Nick. Good morning. Good morning. You're uh, you're, you're wearing a T-shirt this morning. You're... Uh, yeah, You're a I'm, tough guy. Well, I wouldn't go that far. I'm a, I'm a little odd, but I, I rarely uh, wear a coat or long sleeves. But I think this week I'll have to find that winter coat. I think you will, indeed. Uh, Nick has been on, of course, uh, a lot here on CCO over the last few years, and uh, he's willing to help you out this morning if you have some issue with your vehicle. And, boy, you and I, Nick, were talking about the forecast uh, this uh, this coming week. Snow on the way, 4 to 8 inches, maybe more give or take, through uh, Monday, probably midday Monday. And uh, then the cold weather. We're talking uh, 21, 22, 25 below zero. And those are air temps, not That's, wind chill. That is not wind chill. So what, let's, let's talk a little bit. We already have folks on the line in Texas. So let me give you the number. There's a line open. If you have a car care question for Nick, he is an ASC certified technician. He will help you out. 651-989-9226. If it's easier... Send a text, 81807. We'll grab those, uh, those two. What is the difference? What can, how it, it, this is cold weather can affect cars? Early this morning, I talked about tire pressure. Yeah, it, you know, there's a lot of all those things that we always talk about. And, you know, throughout the fall and early winter, yeah. we've been saying get the vehicle in and have the maintenance done, have the battery tested, the antifreeze, your tires, as you mentioned. And, you know, coming in a couple of days here, it's going to be reality and, you know, if you haven't had those things done, get yourself an appointment somewhere this weekend or Monday or Tuesday because uh, the reality is when you go out to work Wednesday morning and it's 20-some below zero air temp, your car may not start. So yeah. you want to do whatever you can now to prevent that situation. Yeah, and it, it, we talk in the summertime how tough real hot weather is on uh, can be on batteries. but uh, Absolutely. And either that extreme. Is, that is true, and then... You know, come winter when you need that reserve of that battery and it's depleted and the car doesn't start, and then you're going to say, oh, I should have had that done. Yeah. Uh, can, an, an oil change, can that make a difference when it's this uh, this cold? I mean, if you regularly change your oil, you're okay. But If you're, I believe, if your vehicle's well-maintained, you follow the guidelines that the manufacturer puts out for you, you go in for your regular services, your car will start this week. For some of those that maybe have neglected or have put off some of those maintenance items, uh, they might have some troubles. And uh, you're right on, though. Like in the summertime, you know, the cars don't like the extremes, whether it's extremely hot or very cold. And um, we're moving into that very cold weather. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Uh, here's a text that came in uh, just a few minutes ago. Uh, good morning, it says. 01 Chevy 2500. Audible whistle at anywhere from 30 to 50 miles an hour. RPMs don't matter. Transmission or vacuum leak or something else, do you think? If it's similar to the noise we have in the studio. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're experiencing the same thing. Yes, we are. Uh, I think the, the text was right on there. Um, 
if it doesn't change with RPM, it's something that's consistent. Um, it's not necessarily speed related. Uh, it could also be something electrical too. You know, you never you never know. An alternator can whine. A power steering pump, which I think would change with load, but um, you know, transmissions can whine. A vacuum leak, absolutely. Or like I'd mentioned, something electrical. So if that noise continues, the texture should probably you know take it into his dealership or shop and have him at least put an ear to it to make sure uh, you're not creating a bigger problem for yourself. All right. Let's go to the phones, Nick. Rex is calling from Maple Grove, I believe. Thanks for waiting, Rex. How can we help you? Uh, my son has a 2005 Ford Lariat that the dashboard, just it'll click, and then it just everything goes to zero on it, dies, and then it'll come back. Um, does it at various times of the year, but pretty frustrating when you're going down the road and all of a sudden you don't know how fast you're going, and then it'll come back. Um, yeah, you know, there's throughout time, different vehicles have had similar types of problems, and most often there's something internal to that unit itself. Um, you know, there's a lot of circuit boards in there, a lot of solder joints, a lot of different uh, electrical things happening there. And, you know, the the thermal curve, as things heat and cool, they'll flex and change. Same with condensation. So my suspicion is that somewhere within that panel, uh, there's a, a poor connection, and obviously as you're going down the highway on the right day with the right temperature or humidity, uh, it doesn't like it and it kind of shuts itself off. The parameters change, the you know the situation changes a little bit, and it pops back on. The frustrating thing is if that situation gets worse, it might just go out altogether. Mm. Um, so the hard part for us, you know, the people trying to help you, is if we can't experience it, it's hard to tell you exactly what it is. You know, so it's one of those things where – it might be completely random, or there might be somewhat of a pattern to it. So, you know, if it's possible to have your son, you know, just kind of jot down, hey, it happened today, you know, this is what was the weather like, how long have you been driving it, just a couple clues. So for the day that it, he does take it in to have it assessed, that those people can maybe try to duplicate that same drive cycle and with some luck maybe have it happen for him. So if Rex or son happen to stop by Lloyd's, not calling in, just you just saw them for the. What would you guys do? What would your your folks do? Well, we would, you know, scan tools. Well, no, I I don't know. I think it's more of a, a communication thing that being lost. I, I think okay. that uh, there's a connection somewhere in that panel, um, and like it's flexing or changing, and it's kind of giving out on them. You know, back to the old voltmeter. I mean, if you can experience it, you know, if I, if we could have the vehicle in our shop and the panel were to go out, and we can get in there with a the voltmeter and start testing powers and grounds and connections, absolutely, you can figure it out. The hard part is you need to get it to happen. Those intermittent problems. Yeah, they're very frustrating it for everyone, tough. not just for the, the Absolutely. customer. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, before we break, let's go to uh, Richfield. I think Charles has been uh, – thank you, Rex, by the way. Charles, you're on with Nick. Yes, thank you. I have a 2004 Jeep Grand Cherokee with about 190,000 miles. About one year ago, the key fob start, stopped working, and I got new batteries, and that didn't do anything either, so it must be the receiver. But anyway, recently, the automatic door locks on the door don't work on the driver's side, so that doesn't work. Also, almost at the same time, the automatic windows don't work from any door, any switch, and now the interior lights stay on. I have to turn them off manually. So I don't know if there's a broken wire in the door harness or a fuse or a switch or <laughs> all these problems at the same time. Not not likely a fuse because typically if a fuse goes out, things don't come back. But I think you're right on with that door jam wiring. Um, you know, if you have a warm garage you can pull your car into here this next couple of days, um, try opening the door and then take your hand where that you can see where that wiring harness or that loom comes through the the hinge area there, and try to flex it a little bit. 
you know, or try to put your hand on the window switch to go up or down and move the door a little bit and see if, you know, if you get some action there. Because, you know, the fact to have the door locks, the windows, uh, the interior lights, because it thinks the door is open, um, not working, you're right on. You don't have three different problems. What's the one thing in common? Most likely that harness in the door. So if you're capable to get in there and kind of tinker a little bit, by all means, you know, do that. If not, you know, take it to your... Take it to your mechanic, show him, explain to him, and I would imagine he can peel that open and find some, uh, as you suggested, some broken wires. All right. We'll need to take a quick break, Nick. So uh, have a little more of that CCO coffee, and we'll, uh, we'll be back with more. If you have a car care question, call it in or text it in, 651-989-9226, or send a text, 81807. And good morning. Welcome back to CCO's Car Care Show. Nick Stoffel is in from Lloyd's Automotive Located exactly where, Nick? In the capital city here in St. Paul at 982 Grand Avenue. Um, if you're in front of a computer, you can go to our website at lloydsautomotive.net, and that's L-L-O-Y-D-S automotive.net. And if you have to give us a call sometime, uh, we're at uh, 651-228-1316. Excellent. We'll get that number before you leave us uh, today. Uh, let's get back to the phones, then we'll grab some text messages as well. Al, I think, is first up here. Al, you're on with Nick. Hi, 2013 Chevy 1500 with the auto uh, heat defrost uh, controls, cold on the driver's side only, on the heat. There's a, likely a blender or mixer that's not actuating or turning to the right position. Um, you know, other things too, sometimes if there's a, a, a level of coolant that's a little bit low and that heat core is not being completely filled with, or filled with hot antifreeze, it won't allow for that uh, to, to apply enough heat across the whole vent there. So uh, check the antifreeze level, take it out of the settings, you know, kind of play with it a little bit. You know, maybe try changing the temperatures from extreme cold to extreme hot. Maybe sometimes people will... Uh, Share with us that they're, they hear a clicking, a clicking noise to go with that, which is telling us that one of those motors is trying to operate, but it doesn't have either the doors broken or the, the gears are stripped or something, okay. not allowing for that full range. Um, and looking at the forecast, you know, once again here, you're, you're not going to have cold air blowing on you here in a couple of days. Yeah. So um, if you can't get to the bottom of it yourself, you know, take it in here Monday, have some, you know, it sounds like pretty straightforward, take it for a drive, you'll feel the cold air and... Somebody can get under the dash there and try to figure out uh, if the flap's not moving or if there's a, just not enough hot uh, hot water getting there. It's one or the other. It's Likely, yes. Loud. All right, good luck with that. Uh, before we get, grab a text, uh, Andy is uh, calling in. Andy, you're on CCO with Nick. Hi, good morning, guys. Morning. See, I've got a, a 1990 uh, Cutlass Sierra. I've called a couple times on it. And last week um, I called in because I was having a problem with the uh, charge lamp. Uh, the charge light um, on the dashboard. And so what was happening was as I loaded up the, the, uh, the alternator with, you know, headlights and defroster, et cetera, et cetera, um, the lamp would turn on brighter and brighter. So I grabbed a voltmeter and I checked my voltage at the battery and it was about 15 volts, maybe just a touch over. Um, and so I ended up replacing the alternator. I brought the alternator over to Napa, and they said it was good. There was nothing wrong with it. So then I thought, well, I'm just going to replace it anyways. I replaced it, and it fixed it. Mm. Is there a circuit that indicates that there's a charge problem if the 
regulator is not regulating and the uh, output of the alternator is too high. Well, you, you kind of did it yourself. When you put the voltmeter on the battery and you saw it was over 15 volts, a car yep. should run at 14.2 or so. Yeah. Um, so obviously the alternator was overworking. Um, something with that full fielding circuit and the regulator was not um, not uh, seeing that proper, the voltage properly, so it was overcharging. Um, I, I would suspect, though, um, when they had it at the store on their little tester, it may not have um, – you know, I, I don't know what tester they have, and I don't know exactly how it works, but it's probably not the exact same as having it in the vehicle with the same load. So I, I think if they did a static or a simple test, it maybe would test just fine. But when it's installed in the vehicle with the vehicle's uh, harness installed and all the other things going along with the car itself, it was overcharging. So I'm glad you fixed it. Um, but quite simply, in the future, just as you did, you put your voltmeter on the battery with the cars running, that's giving you the voltage of the whole system. If it's over 14.2, it's overcharging. Typically, you see it over 15 or 16. You know, we had one in this week. It was like at 17.9 volts, and you could smell it. I mean, it it smelled really hot. The battery uh, was sulfate, and you could smell that sulfur smell. So that's an extreme situation, but you're kind of on the cusp. Your car noticed it. The light was getting brighter and brighter because there's more voltage. So you did the right thing, and good job. Yeah. Thanks, Andy, for the update. Appreciate that. Uh, we were talking about the cold weather and batteries, and a texter says, does it make a difference where you get a car battery, a garage or dealership or a car parts store? Well, I know I've had some good luck at Lloyd's with, uh, I'm going to mention it, Interstate. We've used Interstate. They're good batteries. They're good batteries. Uh, you know, like everything in life, you know, there's different quality. Uh, and, you know, once again, with life, price is proportional to the quality that you're going to get on a battery. Realistically, there's probably just a handful of companies or outfits making batteries, and there's a thousand different labels that get put yeah, on these. That's true. Uh, but you know, whether you're at a parts store or the dealership, probably going to have uh, just one option. But if you're a parts store and you start to look at the good, better, best, you know, take in consideration the age of your vehicle, uh, your budget. But you know, Interstate batteries are on the higher end of quality, and that's what we use at Lloyd's, and we've had a lot of luck with them. Uh, you're going to get, you know, that they're warranted for five years. Some of them are six years um, with a replacement of two. Um, so the warranty is important. The other thing, too, though, is for years you'd look in the newspaper and you'd see this 1,000 cold cranking amp uh, advertised battery. Yeah. You don't need that. You know, uh, it's, you know, the car's only going to pull a couple hundred amps. The biggest issues that reserve are the longevity. You know, on a nice warm day, you don't need that kind of capacity, but on a very cold day, what's the reserve of that battery? What's the you know the likelihood it's going to work in a year or two or three years from now? So make sure you do a little bit of homework. Ask the folks at the counter. They'll be able to guide you in the right direction. Uh, but essentially, the batteries are made by from just a couple of different folks. They are. But you still, for the most part, you get what you pay for. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Hang on, Nick. We'll take a bottom of the hour break. We have... Uh more show to come on our car care show. If you have any kind of a uh, automobile or car truck van problem, and let uh, Nick analyze it for you before you bring it in to your favorite dealer, your favorite shop, you might have a better idea of what uh, what may be going wrong with that. So stay tuned. Nick's going to be with us for about another fifteen minutes or so. So don't go away. Call us uh, right away or send a text, and we'll uh, help you out. We're in the midst of our car care show in the final minutes, as a matter of fact. Uh, Nick is in for Dan today from Lloyd's Automotive. If you have any kind of a car care question, uh, Nick will be here probably for about another eight or nine minutes or so. 651-989-9226 or send a text 81. 81- 
800-800-8807. Keep in mind that uh, Jack Farrell's Wine Chat will be here in uh, just uh, about uh, 10 minutes or so. All right, we have texters, Nick. Let's uh, see if we can't get to them. Uh, here's one. We've got a bone to pick with this uh, car dealership. I'm going to read this as is. My 2018 Chrysler Pacifica's radio has a high-pitched squeal when on WCCO radio. My 2017 did not do this. My dealer told me to listen to another station. And the texter says, I'm not joking. Very frustrating. They even had the Chrysler rep out, and they said it was the station, not the car. Do I have to switch from Chrysler? Kind of sounds like it, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, you know, likely there's there's a fault within that radio. If it's a new vehicle, I would just demand them to order a new you know, they're all kind of a whole assembly at this point in time, are the they? way cars are designed and made now. Um, they could just as well get a different uh, uh, communication or radio unit and unplug it, plug it in, or for that matter, go out to the dealership, walk into another car. Ah, yes. Similar vehicle, yes. turn it on, it's going right. to work fine. I mean, it's it's not the station, per se. It's, the station's no. been around a lot longer than that car has. And um, there's something within that unit itself. And, you know, it's kind of sad that you have to go through that. You think somebody would just, you know... Um, own up and say, "Hey, let's take care of this this person <laughs> right. and just get it fixed." So change your listening habits, or, you know. And, and if they're if they're kind of stand fast in their position, go to a different dealership. Your vehicle is warranted by the manufacturer. The, yeah. You know that, that you go to any franchise dealership and they'll they'll take care of you for sure. sure so absolutely, <laughs> kind of frustrating, kind of funny for us, but yeah. Uh, ho- hopefully, we'll get it fixed. Okay, here's another text that will grab some calls. The turn signal on my 2014 Hyundai stays on in cold weather. So the turn signal stuck. Uh, stuck. So d- depending on how it's designed, you know, years ago there was a, a mechanical lever connected to the switch, and like there'd be a broken spring or something. Uh, newer vehicles, it's mostly electrical. So there's something in the contact of that. It was probably still the switch, but when you exercise the switch down, there's a contact that's made. It can tell and see that the car is turning. Upon re- turning the steering wheel back to the straight position, those contacts should be broken free, and it just stopped flashing. So that's not happening. Um, if it's cold, sounds like it's pretty straightforward. You take it to your take it to your, your, your shop or your dealership, they should be able to turn the turn signal on and you know, be able to get in there with the, the meter and prove that, confirm that, and get that part in there for you. All right. We're good. Let's see who's next on the phone. Uh, Mary is calling from Shoreview. Mary, you're on with Nick. Yes. Um, I'm rather an elderly lady, and... Uh, when I start at my car in the morning, it's great. I mean, it starts fine. But I drive less than miles. So should I warm my car up ahead of time, or can I just drive less than a mile and um, it'll be fine? That's a good question. That's a good question, and I think the best answer is um, take the long route. Yeah. And what I mean what I mean by that is when you start a vehicle, have it idling. That's fine. You know, the the engine's warming up and the antifreeze is getting circulated. But the alternator's not capable of putting out its capacity at idle. You need to be at a higher RPM, which happens when you drive. So if you only need to go to a mile, you know, once a week or something, take the long way. Go go the other direction for a little bit. Um, you know, don't get yourself lost, obviously. But um, you know, it's really important for that alternator to get up over you know fifteen hundred, two thousand RPMs, which is typical of normal driving. But for a longer period of time, that way it can completely charge your battery. So too many short trips, your battery starts to lose a little charge. Later this week, when we need that extra capacity in that battery, you want it there. So 
Letting the car sit and run is fine. It's better for us than the car, but taking the long way is probably the best answer. Yeah, it really is. I, the same thing happened to Tony when he was going to, to catch the bus to go to the U. He'd drive his car a couple of miles, park it, and then event, eventually the battery doesn't have is enough, gone. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. have enough left in it. So. Yeah. Uh, here's a texter, uh, uh, Nick. I went through a car wash yesterday, drove for 15 minutes or so, then parked for a couple of hours. When I tried to move the car, it would not move. Uh, in either park or reverse. Finally, after really giving us some gas, it made a loud noise and lunged forward. The tires were not stuck on ice, and the parking brake was not on. Any thoughts besides not washing the car in such cold weather? Uh, ice. I mean, something was frozen up. It was likely in the brakes. You know, you had a little bit of uh, a little bit of moisture still in that brake caliper, brake rotor, and when you sat there in that cold air, it just froze itself into place. Um, and you, you fixed it, you know, you put it in the gear and give it a little extra oomph, got it moving again, and it'll be just fine. So, you know, it's unusual, to be honest. I don't think I've heard that for for a while. Um, you know, but if you are going to wash your vehicle today, tomorrow, um, if you can put it in a garage, that would be best. Yeah. Even if it's an unheated garage, your car is essentially a radiator. You have a good hot car. You put it in even an unheated garage. That car will hold the heat, number one, and it'll warm up the garage a little bit. A little bit, yeah. All right. So let's grab a call before we run out of time. Pete is calling from Robbinsdale. Pete, you're on CCO with Nick. I have a 2018 Nissan Altima, and whenever I drive under a uh, a high transmission uh, power line, it it starts uh, you know staticky for maybe 10 seconds until I get through that that area. Is that is that common? My Toyota doesn't do that. That used to be common, you know. Uh, you know, years ago when they didn't have all the frequency, the RF, the, all the interference stuff, kind of built into radios and cars. You know, it would happen. You'd go buy something, and you, <laughs> the car would make a funny squealing, funny noise there. Um, but you know, there's there's something missing within your vehicle. There's a poor connection somewhere. Some of that uh, the systems that are designed to kind of absorb that noise or that frequency are not working. Um, same thing. It seems like a fairly straightforward solution. Take it back to the, the the folks you got the vehicle from. Have them go for a drive with you. Go buy some of those lines. You know, it's pretty audible. They should be able to experience it and then figure out what's creating it and get it fixed for you. Have some text messages, uh, Nick, before you go and see if we can't field a bunch. What happens to the oil in your car when it's so cold? Does it gel? How long should you let a car warm up? Uh, and does it use oil? Warming it up, I presume. So... Oil gets thick, uh, obviously, as it gets colder. And letting the car warm up, um, I think for a few moments the car appreciates that. You let to get the the engine oil, a little more fluid, get it working, get it moving, uh, get the power steering fluid, the antifreeze, get all those things, you know, kind of stretch them out a little bit. But the, the truth is, after a few moments, the only reason to warm up the vehicle is for you. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, we all have auto starts. Don't start your vehicle and leave the keys in it. Leave it unlocked because somebody's going to absolutely help themselves to your car. That's right. But, you know, with the remote starts too, um, you know, if, if it's a couple minutes, you know, I, I'll use mine. You know, I'm leaving work. I'll remote start. I'll go grab my bag and stuff. It's just a minute or two. I walk out there and it's it forwards the process of getting heat. But it doesn't do a whole lot for the vehicle. It, it wastes gas. Sure. Um, you know, the... the uh, there's a lot more emissions on a car when it's at idle than when driving. So, you know, minimize it to whatever is most comfortable for you, but the car doesn't really care. Before you go, somebody's responding to this uh, cold temps that, that are coming up this week. 
Uh, should the car sit or be started periodically throughout the day in this week's cold? Uh same to, quickly, just like that other that, that yeah. woman that starts short, short trips there. Uh, if you're going to start it, go drive it. You need to give the car the opportunity to get the battery fully charged. Let it sit and run. It's fine. It warms it up, gets the engine happy, but it's hard on the battery. You really need to go for a spin. All right. If you need to get into Lloyd's, you, you can go there today. Call soon because it's going yeah, be, to be busy. I can't yeah. st- you know, make your appointment now with your shop because middle of the week, it's going to be next to impossible. How but do we uh, call you guys? We're at 651 651- Two two eight one three one six, and we're at nine eight two Grand Avenue in the capital city of St. Paul. Excellent. Thanks, Nick. Stay warm, and I'll see you at Lloyd's. Yes, sir. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.